Where United goes, the curse will follow. But when it comes to New Mexico, the curse will lead. When you join the curse, a portion of your membership goes to help New Mexicans from all across the state. Working with organizations like the Read to Me Book Drive, Birthday Project NM, Watermelon Mountain Ranch, CLN Kids New Mexico, Casa Q, and so many more. Join the curse today and help us make New Mexico a better place for tomorrow. Hey, it's New Mexico United defender Kalen Ryden, and you're listening to David and RJ on the CurseCast. See, it all started one day when I was walking down the street. I look left and I look right thinking, how can life be so nice again? La-da-da-dum, 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 oh, sing it, baby. You're listening to The Curse Cast with David Carl and RJ Montano. David and RJ will take you through the latest recaps, news, and interviews from around New Mexico United Soccer. You can shoot us comments or questions at The Curse NM on Twitter, The Curse New Mexico on Facebook, or email the show at thecursenm at gmail.com. And now a part of the beautiful game network and recorded from the studios of ESPN Radio 1017 The Team, here's David and RJ with The Curse Cast. Hey everybody, welcome into the Curse Cast. I am David Carl. I am socially distant from my co-host. His name is RJ Montano. Uh, it's been a while since we since we've been here, RJ. Uh, welcome back after a month. Yeah, we took some time off. We were on the Seek and Stripe podcast. We had a couple weeks off, and uh, here we are. Here we are, and we're, uh, back. we're back, and we're here with um, yet another New Mexico United player. It's the last couple of players we've had. This has been the case, but we're here with yet another United player who has been here since day one, and it's taken us this long to get him on. But we are excited to welcome on Mr. Juan Guzman. Juan, thank you for joining us, man. Oh, thank you guys. What an honor. It's uh, thrilling, thrilling to have you here. Excited to have you here. Um, Let's let's get right to it. One of the things we wanted to talk to you about, uh, we're back at training, and we have been for a couple weeks now. How's that been? How's that been going for you? Yeah, I told you it's uh, it's been good. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think uh, a couple months uh, on our own was was hard for everyone who loves playing. <laughs> we're uh, yeah, we're good. We're in small groups, but we're really really enjoying it. Really getting a good push and um, trying to get ready for. For games here soon. Yeah, sooner rather than later, the sooner the better. And then, did, did you guys? You guys went from three groups of three to groups of ten recently, right? Yeah, last week. Yeah. Awesome. And has that you know made things a little easier? Obviously, it's not quite starting eleven. You know, eleven versus eleven. But I'd imagine that a side of ten is probably at least a little better. Yeah, it is. It is. It allows you to do more stuff. Uh, more functional stuff and more, you know, tactical um, type of work with uh, with ten guys than it does with three or four. You know. Sure. Have you guys approached this like a, a second off season to the same season? Because it's you guys had a full off season. You prepped. You went one game in. Then you had a break. You've had this time off. Like, is this an off season? Does it feel like you're starting again? How, how does it feel? Yeah, it does in a way. I think I think every guy was really uh, professional about taking care of themselves. And Yellow and black fit. army! Yellow and black army! 
but the way we Yellow and Black Army! Yellow and Black Army! Yellow and Black Army! Yellow and Black Army! Bigger tactical ideas. It's definitely felt that way, yeah. And as far as kind of, you know, you mentioned that, it's kind of like a second off season, is what RJ said. Um, does it give you an opportunity to kind of mentally re-prepare? And how difficult is it to not get rusty in the mental side of the game? I would imagine that's tough. Yeah, I think for me, uh, you know, blessing and curse, like I think the physical aspect of it was really helpful. Because um, I was dealing with a nagging injury and... Uh, I just had had time to, to let that rest a bit more, which was great. Um, from a mental perspective, yeah, it's. Uh, I think more than anything, personally, I was just really uh, itching to play, itching to train, and uh, so it hasn't been much of a barrier. Um, but you know, I'm one of the older guys, and I'm, uh, one of the guys who's maybe got more experience. Um, so I can't speak for, for some of the younger guys and how they've adjusted to that mentally. It's a, it's a always... It's not easy. I'm sure. It, it always breaks my heart to... Uh, it always breaks my heart to hear one of our players say, I'm one of the older guys on the team. I know. And, and he's younger than me. <laughs> yeah, when, when you see the age, you're like, Jesus, really? <laughs> I know. I always tell people I'm old in soccer really not that old yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm old for the supporters group i guess i should say <laughs> i think i think it's all relative huh yeah that's right that's right so um i guess you know we're talking a little bit about about age here but let's talk kind of take it a little bit back for you um you know one of the things we like to talk about with when we have players on is kind of how you came to learn about soccer in the first place how you came to start playing how you came to love the game can you take us back i know you grew up in in bogota is that right yeah, I was born there. Um, that's where my parents are from. And right about when I turned six, we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, so those are my earliest memories of playing. Uh, was when we were in Charlotte. Um, yeah, man. But I don't know. I have pictures from like my first birthday party with the soccer ball. Um, I think it was just always uh, something that drew me that captured my attention even from like tiniest little boy you know now did you come from like a, a footballing family were your parents like big fans or, or kind of what do you remember what kind of got you into it in the first place yeah I mean my parents have been uh, into football always but not not dramatically and not um, I think my dad played in college uh, but nothing to where they were super supporters or going to games every weekend. Uh, but yeah, I know, you know, the culture um, is very much based and kind of thrives on, on soccer. And so in that respect, yeah, it was always in my family and in my blood. Did you have a club that you liked growing up in, in, in Colombia? Yeah, just because my dad did. Millonarios in Bogota. That was the club that I kind of learned to, to support a bit from a distance. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So, I mean, even after you moved to the States, you still follow that club in Colombia? Yeah, yeah, a bit. And uh, right after, right when I was in college, um, 
maybe between my sophomore and junior year, I went to Bogota for a summer and got to train with Millonarios. Whoa, that's cool. And uh, I went to like a match at the stadium, um, really famous, beautiful stadium. Um, so yeah, I, I was a bit connected, but that's that's awesome to get to train with like your boyhood club. Yeah, it was special. It was it was eye opening. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, what was it like? I was going to ask. What was it like? Like I don't. I don't know if you would remember much, but like six years old, moving from Colombia to Charlotte, I, I get huge difference in uh, just about everything. Do you have any memories of that, or what it was like growing up in Charlotte with, you know, the being from Colombia and then trying to, you know, assimilate kind of into the culture here? Yeah, of course. Um, it's something that's that's really marked my life. I have really great memories, but I have hard moments as well. Um, but yeah, I, I remember, you know, six years old, going to school the first day. I had to go to an ESL program before school, um, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I would, like, cry and cling to my dad's leg and just, like, dreaded it. Um, you know, but within within a few months, I, was, I think I was able to communicate you know, decently with my classmates and my teachers. You're, you're so young, you, you learn so quickly. Um, and I was able to, to learn the language quickly. And, and then that fall, my dad actually coached my first like soccer team with um, just like a local YMCA team. And uh, I have really great memories of that. My dad just instilling passion in me. And, um, and even you know, remembering like how he, he could speak English, but not like proficiently or um, as well as he does now and how he was able to communicate with all these kids <laughs> kind of blows my mind. Um, but that's kind of the beauty of football, right? You just uh, throw a ball out there and you're able to communicate yeah. even with barriers. So. Well, and it's cool that you've been able to, to keep your Spanish, too. I, I, so growing up, Spanish was my first language, um, and I have since forgotten most of it. Um, you know, I can, I can get by when I need to, but that's uh, it, cool. Um, did, you, did you find that, it, RJ mentioned kind of culture shock or, or moving from place to place. I would imagine that you've moved around a lot since then. And, you know, for example, Albuquerque is very different than Charlotte, is very different than, I'm sure, Oklahoma City, where you were before. Uh, have you found, because you made that move as a kid, that it was easier for you to adjust moving place to place? Um, yeah, I, I think it's played a part. I think, uh, I think that's definitely played a part, and I think that my professional career has definitely um, played a part in me. Uh, every move is easier than the previous one, you know. Just being able to, to be in really different cultures and really different environments has taught me a lot and made it easier to adjust. And since you've come to New Mexico, you know, it's been about a year and a half-ish. Um, I would imagine that, that you've obviously gotten used to kind of things here in New Mexico, in Albuquerque. Is there anything in particular that you've enjoyed here more more than others? We had some players, you know, they love to hike. Some people, they love the New Mexican food. What about New Mexico is something that you've really kind of latched onto? Uh, love the weather. 
Love that it's sunny all the time. Um, me and my wife love to go mountain biking. Nice. And we've really loved the trails around here, um, the foothills, and obviously like it's a little further over the mountains. Um, I think those have been real highlights for us. Uh, going to Santa Fe has been really fun. Um, being so close to, to a cool city like that. Um, and yeah, we, we live in Nob Hills, so we, we love to walk around here and go to coffee shops. That's cool. You know, even during quarantine, not being able to go in and sit there, but go in for a little bit and ordering coffee to go. Uh, those little things have been really enjoyable. You mentioned Santa Fe, and I was about to ask, have you been to Meow Wolf? But I'm pretty sure you've been in a Jersey reveal video at Meow Wolf, so I know the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like I was there, but I didn't experience it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was just taking pictures. Um, but I'd love to go back and actually experience it. That's on the bucket list for sure. It's a lot of fun, but I've, I've, one thing, you know, you mentioned not being able to experience it. It's so popular, you know, that it gets so crowded in there that it's, it's almost like too many people to really get the full experience, you know? Um, and especially now, I don't know what they're going to do with, you know, post COVID, but, uh, you got to try and go when that happens. If, and when they open back up, got to try and go in a place like an off time because it gets yeah. so busy. That's what I've heard to go like, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday or something get a much better experience yeah yeah so uh another player coming to new mexico united was charlotte ties uh how did you meet troy how did that come about to, to get you all the way out here to albuquerque yeah i i um you know i would be in charlotte in the off season for the last few years uh troy would get you know local guys who were there uh to train um just like an optional train and um, so I got to know Troy a bit. I'd heard great things from him, from teammates who went on to play with him in Charlotte. And uh, that was kind of it. I, I struck a, a real friendly relationship with him, but I wasn't like um, super in touch until I heard that he got the job. And then did he kind of just reach out to you and say, hey, we're doing this new thing in New Mexico, we'd love to have you on board. Was that pretty much the gist of it? I actually, I think I reached out to him because I was in a, uh, I was in a really uncomfortable situation in Oklahoma City with my contract and my, um, kind of like my place on the team. And uh, so I reached out to him. I was just asking for advice. And he just kind of listened and was really helpful, but he really respected like contracts. Um, and the player protocols as far as negotiating things. So it wasn't until I got released and finished my contract that he kind of came in uh, negotiating um, conversation with me. That sounds like Troy uh, being incredibly respectful. That's that's about yeah. that's about his mo. <laughs> he is uh, a really um, integ integrous guy. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and you mentioned in OKC, you know, not necessarily finding your place in the team, but you have become a stalwart in the midfield here for us. Um, what do you think has been the big difference for you? What has allowed you to thrive so much here uh, for New Mexico United? Yeah, man, it was it was a combination of things. Uh, I had a bad injury and um, kind of kept me out for a few months uh, the last season there. Uh, I think that Troy and the whole coaching staff has always 
given me a lot of confidence, um, a lot of belief in my ability to affect the team and my ability to contribute to the style of play and the, the, the ideas, and the, um, you know, the tactical things that we want to implement. And uh, yeah, just like a freedom to be myself, freedom to enjoy football. Some of the things that I think I've lost a little bit in the structure that was there in Oklahoma City. So that's all helped me to really just be free, play the way I like to play. Do you so think looking so? at Go ahead, stats, uh, looking at some stats, you had uh, 29 appearances with Oklahoma City and you had two goals. Uh, you're currently sitting at 28 appearances for the Mexican United with no goals. So we need two goals yeah. next at July 11th. <laughs> in one game, yeah, of course. <laughs> At least. But stylistically, do you think uh, New Mexico fits you better? The way Troy plays, the way Troy sets up his 11? Do you think it just it fits your, your play style better? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that my there was a coaching change between my first and second year in Oklahoma City. And uh, I think that second year was definitely... Um, not suited to the way that I, I play or the type of player I am. And I've never had a coach that sees the way, sees the game the way I do as much as Troy. Um, it feels like when he's explaining things, he puts uh, language and ideas um, to the things that I think, but I, I don't have the language for. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is like, you know, the biggest gift as a soccer player um, and something that I really uh, valued as I made that decision um, for where I wanted to play next. My time in Oklahoma City was done. Nice. All right, so I, I don't know if this is true, but I read it on the internet, so I'm going to choose to believe that it's true until you tell me otherwise. It's probably true. It's probably true, though. Uh, you have a... the internet's always different. Never lies. Never lies. No. You have a uh, you have a cousin who uh, played for OKC and is a uh, was a uh, a professional footballer as well. Juan Nino is 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 he your cousin? Yeah, he is. He's uh, he's my cousin, my best friend. He's um, my mom's twins, eldest son. Wow! So we grew up like siblings. Uh, yeah, he he played professionally for about seven years. And played in Colombia for a few years and just has an incredible story and he was an amazing uh, player really and he went to Liberty too yeah we played at Liberty for a couple of years together that's awesome you played I'm looking I'm just looking at at transfer market so you played together at Liberty did you play together in Charlotte as well yeah that year 2013 I believe and you played together at Oklahoma City that's really cool that's uh we've had a couple a couple different players are kind of they're not the only footballers in their family, which uh, there's something in the genes. I don't know. Uh, you're not the you're not the only one. It's true. We, um, I mean, from ever, from very young, we would just always train and play together. And, um, but yeah, the, what he was able to accomplish in his career was just mo- monumental. If um, you look at his the time and the amount of games he played in the Colombian first division. Yeah, he was there. It was. I'm looking. He was there for what three years in the Colombian First Division. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, then it was played for San Antonio, played for FK Lawson, 
played for OKC. That's really awesome. That's really, really cool. All right, so we want to talk to you. Uh, I want to bring up something uh, that happened today uh, after we'd already, you know, invited you on the show. Uh, there appears to be, from what we've read from Jeff Reuter and, and other sources online, uh, there appears to be a tentative, emphasis on tentative, uh, deal with the USLPA on return to play. Uh, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, it's good. I think uh, I have mixed feelings about it, but um, overall, I think that they've made a lot of progress in trying to come to a good place, a good uh, middle ground uh, that you know benefits the players, that takes care of the players, and uh, yeah, there's a boat tomorrow. So, as far as like everything that's been. Uh, written about um, or leaked onto the internet um, <laughs> it still hasn't been ratified by the league or the players so we'll see what happens tomorrow but yeah it's better than where we were a week ago yeah I mean and and just and you don't you don't have to respond to this because the last thing I want to do is get you in trouble but uh, you know it, it's an interesting leap from you know they were the league, being they, uh, we're talking about a sixty percent cut uh, for for players to to pay, and then to go from that to zero. I'm interested in kind of how they got from A to B. I'm I'm glad that they got to zero. I think that's what they should have done. But uh, it's interesting to go all the way from one end of the spectrum to the other. Yeah. 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 No, I I echo that um, as well. I think <laughs> if anything, it's a testament to the players' association the hours and hours that they've spent meeting with the league um, that they could come to an agreement on zero pay cuts which is really huge yeah and so, it, and again I don't know I, how they got there but it's really great yeah maybe maybe we don't want to know how the sausage was made we just know that it's there right <laughs> that's right yeah that's good. That's good. Um, another another uh, thing, and RJ, you and I can chat about this later. Uh, I don't think Juan will want to respond to this, but RJ, Eric Winalda got fired today. Can you believe that? <laughs> I, was... I mean, Vegas loved him. Uh, I know the supporters groups out there loved him, but he, I, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was a surprise. I, I'm interested to find out more about that. So Yeah, I'm hoping that... Uh... Maybe maybe Jeff or or maybe our friends at BGN or somebody can get a little more info. I'm curious as to how that happened, and it seems very sudden and and an odd timing considering we are less than a month away from return to play. Yeah, they had a plenty of time to do this, and now that it's time, you know, it's it's almost game time. It's it's a weird time to to change direction. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's let's go back to Juan. Uh, Juan. <laughs> Um, Actually, I was going to ask Juan. Uh, I was looking through both of your bios. Um, you were at Louisville in 2015. Uh, did you know Brandon Morrison? Uh, Brandon Morris from from back then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So another connection. Okay, I was wondering that because uh, I know Brandon Morrison was Morris. I don't know why I keep saying Morrison. Brandon <laughs> Morris was the was the director of uh, operations for Louisville back then. Yeah, man. 2015, another uh, first year franchise, um, and and Brandon was. Absolutely monumental in what that club was able to do in the first three, four years there. And that was a pretty good season there. Uh, conference, uh, I mean, second uh, runner up in, in the Eastern Conference, and you went to the conference finals in uh, the playoffs. So a lot of experience, and you had a lot of game time there. Yeah, that was a really fun year. I think it was <clears throat> really similar in the way that the style of play was 
uh, really suited to the type of player I am. Um, James O'Connor was the coach, had uh, incredible belief and, and uh, confidence in me. And it just allowed me to, to play the way I like to play. And man, it was a special group. It was a really good, good group of players. Great memories from that year. So you you RJ mentions you know you've played or you mentioned rather you've played for two brand new first year clubs. Um, what did you find similarities wise, difference wise, uh, kind of in that? Not many players have the opportunity to play for two new clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Louisville was a really special experience. Um, it exceeded my expectations. I think that. Uh, the the way the club tried to do things, um, the way they treated the players, the way that the city responded um, to the club and to the um, matches was phenomenal. Um, and then, you know, four years later, uh, New Mexico kind of exceeded all of that. But yeah, I have nothing negative to say about Louisville. It was it was special. It was, I mean, the home games were amazing. Fans were were, um, you know, in the six, seven, eight thousand range all the time. It was really good. Um, But being here, um, it's kind of exceeded all that all over again. Yeah. From the level of support to the level of of um, treatment from the club front office. It's been really, really special, yeah. And the Coopers are are a great supporters group as well. We've we've gotten to know them a little bit through social media, um, and they are they are just as passionate as we are. Yeah, really, really great group of supporters for sure. Yeah. I'm definitely jealous of the uh, the Lynn Family Stadium that they just got. Hopefully, they're going to be able to open that up here in a couple of weeks. Beautiful, huh? Yeah, it's gorgeous. I want to play there. I want to play there for the Open Cup. I want to go there. Or or how about or just the, a, finals, the you know, yeah, championship the game? Finals there. Cha- <laughs> Championship game would be pretty cool, but I'd rather play that uh, at the lab. Uh, but yeah, we could play the Open Cup there. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. And you know, we we mentioned you know Juan, you've played uh, you know again Charlotte, Oklahoma City, and and Louisville, and and RJ mentions you know the the connections that you made. You know, you knew uh, you knew Troy ahead of time. You knew Brandon ahead of time. Just how small is this league? I would. Ima- I mean, people know. It seems like everybody knows everybody here. Yeah, uh, I mean, especially if you've been playing as long as I have. <laughs> um, where, <laughs> you know, 2010, there was <laughs> there was like seven or eight teams in the league. You can check that, but uh, to see the way that the league has grown uh, is, you know, something that you couldn't have imagined in 2010. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the circle of players and coaches and staff, um, it's a very small group and everyone knows, if they don't know each other, they know about each other. Um, I don't know if you know, Zach Prince and I uh, played ODP growing up. Um, he was South Carolina, I was North Carolina. But, you know, 13, 14 years old, we were playing against each other. Um, and I clearly remember that he was the only good player in South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> like, they were the worst team in our region. And he was so good. Um, 
so even that friendship goes back to you know almost two decades ago it's crazy well, that's and that's an interesting dynamic too. I mean, Troy being one of the younger coaches in the league, I think he might actually might be the youngest coach in the head coach in the league. You know, Zach being one of the younger assistant coaches in the league. It's 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 funny to see that you have players who are on the club uh, who ha- have played with or against coaches who are on the club. That's something you don't see every day. There, David. Yeah, I missed you there. Oh, did I cut out? Yeah. Sorry about that. So I was saying it's it's an interesting dynamic because you have, you know, Troy saying I think he's the youngest head coach in the league. Zach Prince is one of the younger assistant coaches in the league. Uh, so a, a, I guess, strange or unusual dynamic uh, to see, you know, we have players who have played with or against our coaches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, just just uh, in light of in light of that, um, 2013, I was with Charlotte. We uh, played in the in the USL Championship against Orlando City, and I was playing against James O'Connor in the center midfield. And then a year later, he was calling me, um, to tell me that he was the new coach for Louisville City, and he wanted me to come play there. So. <laughs> That's bizarre. Yeah, it's kind of wild, yeah, yeah. So when when you eventually get to the point that you're done playing, do you want to coach? Uh, not professionally. No. Okay. What uh, what do you what do you see as uh, as the next step once you get there? Is it is it like what 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 is a what is a second career for you? Because it's it's you know it's not something that necessarily you know the everyday non professional athlete has to think about because we don't retire till we're like sixties and seventies, but soccer players retire in their thirties. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's um. It's something I think about a lot. Uh, I think in the short term, I I want to be uh, involved in my family's business and, and work with them. Um, and then further on down the road, I'm not really sure. Uh, there's a lot of things that I'm starting to, to realize I'm, I'm passionate about. Nice. Um, but I don't know how that turns into... A career and a livelihood yet. <laughs> I think that literally everybody in the world has that same dilemma. Yeah. <laughs> Usually the you difference. Have a decade before I. <laughs> well, the difference is you're going to be starting your second career. Well, some people haven't started their first. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you mentioned you mentioned your family's business. Uh, I remember watching you on um, an Instagram live with many, and it was some was it health food. Is that what your family does? Is that right? Yeah, it's a healthy uh, snack company, uh, like a potato chip alternative. So um, we make plantain and cassava chips. Ooh, I love plantains. And uh, yeah, it's something that's um, maybe five or six years old, but it's it's something really exciting. My wife just got me a bag of them. (laughs) (laughs) Now can but you know can you get those here in New Mexico? uh, yeah, Montanita or at Whole Foods. Nice. And what's the brand again? I want to get some. They're great. It's called Artisan Tropic. Artisan Tropic. Cool. Yeah. yeah, it's really awesome. The story behind it is um, completely uh, a part of our family's kind of DNA and a journey to, to learn how to eat well and take care of our bodies. So. That's awesome. I, uh, I'm a big plantain chip fan, so I'm going to have to grab some of those. Good. You'll like them. That's awesome. And I know... Uh, 
your teammate David Estrada is big on a uh, big on healthy eating too. Uh, he I, he does always this stuff with these kids, man. He's he's an uh, he's an amazing guy in the community, um, and that, that kind of brings me to kind of the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, and it's just kind of the community, the New Mexican community. Um, how have you? found yourself and you mentioned you know you and the wife love to go into knob hill and, and go into coffee shops and things like that but um you know have you have you found that it's been an easy place for you to adapt to and is have you found that it's a place that you i would imagine you enjoy um and even if you didn't you wouldn't say so on on, on our podcast but <laughs> i would imagine that you're enjoying it yeah no it definitely has been i think uh i think like uh learning from people that are different than us has been really special. Um, it's been a, a real season of transition in a lot of ways for us. Um, and we've found like really, really beautiful people here um, who've made a lot of space um, and had a lot of grace for us in, in the time where we're transitioning in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah, the, the, the community aspect of it, every time I see someone out uh, wearing a United shirt or um, with a United sticker on their car. Um, it just kind of surprises me um, because I've played in a lot of different cities and it's very rare that you would see someone who was a supporter of the team, even knew about the team in some, some cases. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, it's special. I, I love the fact that that New Mexicans are so proud of, of what this team represents and what this team does. It's really like an honor to be a part of that. Well, that's what I was going to bring up next. You know, you, you talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, people – you know, recognizing, you know, you or the club or things like that, I, I hope you're aware of the impact that you have on people here. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, it, it's it's one thing just to come here and, and, and play soccer, and that's great. But, you know, the way that the club has operated and the way that players and coaches individually have operated is just, it's the right way and means a lot to a community that, well, frankly, we as a community don't have a lot of... I don't know things to be positive about sometimes and this is something that's been incredibly positive so from us to you thank you uh, no, it's an honor truly <laughs> all right well before we let you go um i guess one thing we always do uh is we allow our guest uh to kind of have the floor to give a shout out to whomever they want parents friends family fans uh people back home whomever they want so Mr. Guzman, the floor is yours. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Well, um, I'll have to send, you have to send me the link to send this to everyone. But Happy to. Um, no, first of all, my wife. My wife's amazing. Um, she's made this, this last year uh, really special and really fun. Um, yeah, I'm a really lucky guy. Uh, but yeah, my family in Charlotte, my, um, my sister's pregnant. And she's having uh, a little baby girl in August. Congratulations! And, uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of surreal, um, <laughs> and I get pretty emotional about it. But uh, it's good, man. It's exciting. Um, my parents and uh, the, the way they've supported me throughout my whole career um, is something that I I can't ever talk about soccer and not mention that. Yeah, man. 
everyone who's been a part of the team along the way and every New Mexican who's embraced this team and stuck through us, stuck with us even through um, a season of I know that we're all excited to, to get back on the field. Well, we are excited Thanks to. So much. Of course, no, we're excited to see you on the field uh, soon. Even if we can't be in the stadium right away, uh, we're excited to. We'll we'll find other ways to support. Uh, we're we're happy yeah, happy to have soccer back and happy to have you guys back on the pitch. And um, from what Troy's told us, you guys have been uh, training harder than pretty much anybody else. So looking forward to going unbeaten from here through the rest of the season. It'll be great. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> Awesome. Well, been working us. Good, good. Well, Juan, thank you so much again for taking the time. Uh, love talking to you, and uh, we'll make sure we get you that link here uh, as soon as the uh, as soon as the podcast is up. And again, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah don't thank forget. You, guys. you owe us two goals. That's right, two goals in match one. I'll tell That's... Troy. I have to play a little further up the field. <laughs> we're playing. We're playing Juan as striker in the first match. It's happening. Hey, you wouldn't know it, but from training the past few weeks, I've been I've been pretty classic for a goal. <laughs> nice. There we go. See? See? Look. All right. Looking forward to it. All right. So we will be right back uh, with our second segment. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that tentative agreement with the USLPA. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Eric Winalda, who is currently looking for a job, uh, and much more. So stick around. We'll be right back with section two, segment two of the Curse Cast. Where United goes, the curse will follow. But when it comes to New Mexico, the curse will lead. When you join the curse, a portion of your membership goes to help New Mexicans from all across the state. Working with organizations like the Read to Me Book Drive, Birthday Project NM, Watermelon Mountain Ranch, CLN Kids New Mexico, Casa Q, and so many more. Join the curse today and help us make New Mexico a better place for tomorrow. All right, we are back with segment two, segment numero dos of the Curse Cast. Uh, still socially distant, uh, RJ, uh, because we don't want to catch COVID. Um, but I do miss being in the studio. I miss being over uh, at ESPN Radio doing these. You know, we, we would go there uh, typically on a Wednesday night, like tonight, and uh, it was fun. It was always just a, it was just a good time. It was usually just the two of us over there because uh, everything's kind of running on its own and we'd get the studio and and it was fun i do miss it yeah we didn't have a producer but you and i would sit in the you're studio the producer and do this. i was the producer <laughs> yeah uh we, we'd have a couple beers we it was very relaxed it was easier to communicate because we were actually face to face so we know when to when to talk on on, on this platform it, it's it's super difficult but it's still i'm glad we're still doing it yeah and and we could you know we would have uh we would have players in person too, which is again easier yeah. for the conversation with them too—not just the conversation between you and I, but the conversation with the individual players, and with anybody is easier in person, I think, uh, than it is over the phone. Um, so, or, or over Skype or Zoom or whatever the hell we're on. We're on uh, Google Hangouts. That's what we're on. Google Hangouts. Um, but yeah, and so Twitch. We're on Twitch and Twitch and Twitch. Uh, so yeah, I do miss that. But uh, but thanks to Juan Guzman for coming on. That was a lot of fun. Appreciate him uh, 
talking to us a little bit about kind of his soccer background and um i didn't know he i didn't realize uh that he had that charlotte connection either it's we've got a lot of north carolina and south carolina in new mexico united yeah we do we really do and it, it, it's crazy to see how small the soccer world is because he had uh played against Zach prince yeah he had the troy connection from charlotte he uh had a connection with brandon morris morris there we go again morris uh <laughs> from louisville so like he's had this weird you know connection with a lot of people that are here but i don't think he knew it at the time yeah uh when he signed here yeah well he's i mean he's become an integral part of this club and uh we love having him love having him on the show but we love having him in the midfield even more um you know it's, it's interesting that you know he mentioned part of it was due to injury but he, he didn't really find his footing uh in oklahoma city but uh i Selfishly, I'm a little glad that he didn't because uh, because we love having him here. So, um, well, to- <laughs> I I've had a spat with the owner of <laughs> Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma City on, on Twitter. It's <laughs> a good point. Uh, so I, I could understand why, and it wasn't even over anything bad. It was just like, hey, pay your players, and he kind of shot back at me saying like mind your own business basically well it is our business we're supporters <laughs> yeah we're supporters we're asking you to pay our players yeah well anywho speaking of uh paying players uslpa comes to a tentative agreement today uh again emphasis on tentative uh, jeff reuter uh kind of put out an article as he often does uh with a bit of detail on this again tentative um one of the big takeaways from it rj uh we went from proposals of we heard 60% pay cuts for some players uh, we had heard 80% I don't know if that was necessarily true for some players uh, but how do we go from 60% to 0% and again as I said to one, I'm thrilled that we've gotten to zero but that makes it seem as though maybe the initial offer from the league was a little bit disingenuous I think they may have backed themselves into a corner. I yeah. think they said, hey, we're going to start the season and it's going to look bad on you guys if you don't do anything. And then as, you know, things started moving along, things started moving along, July 11th is getting here, you know, really fast. They still don't have a deal. I think the league was finally like, we need to do something. And it helps. They signed that. They signed a three-year contract with ESPN to mm-hmm. have the games on ESPN+. Plus. It's $5.5 million there. Uh, they gave each team, I think it's one hundred and twenty grand uh, because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, they still haven't really dipped into their own pockets to help the league survive, which really sucks. Uh, Papadakis. But it seems like they backed themselves into a corner to where they had to agree with at least something. Um, I'm sure the players gave up something. I, I, I think the the salary floor is not agreed to yet and a, a real CBA is not agreed to yet, but at least something to get this, the season started. Yeah, and that's that's an important point that I was going to get to is that uh, there is a big difference between uh, agreeing on a return to play and agreeing to a CBA, and the latter has not yet been done. So uh, it's great that we've got potentially, again, tentative, could find out uh, soon if, if they agree to that uh, totally. You heard Juan say that there's a, a vote scheduled for tomorrow. Um so if maybe it could be approved as soon as tomorrow, that would be great. But again, this is a return to play. It's not a CBA. And those are two very different things. A return to play um, indicates, as we've seen, that potentially these players will earn their pay for this year, as they should. Um, but things like, as you mentioned, RJ, a salary floor would be negotiated in a CBA, which is hugely important because the fact that we are returning to play doesn't change the fact that some players are making close to or, in some cases, less than minimum wage, which is not okay. 
Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what this means. It just means that the players came to came to the table and said, "All right, we'll we'll get this season started, uh, but we still have a lot of work to do." Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, I, I want to reiterate this point: uh, to go from sixty percent potential pay cuts for some players to zero percent. I I would love to love to figure out where the math was that got us to that 60% in the first place if we could survive with the zero. And I'm sure numbers change, things are fluid, absolutely. But I, I'm very interested in, in finding out kind of how we got to 60% in the first place and then negotiated that all the way down to zero. And you mentioned the league backing themselves into a corner. I think you're right. Um, and I think between us and everybody who's listening on this podcast, so everyone um, in the whole world, um, you know... It's it's easy. So my my initial thought was that when the league announced return to play, I was very excited. Right, all of us were excited. Yeah. But my concern was that the league would use this as a bargaining chip to say, "Well, players, you better agree to what we're saying. You better agree to what we're offering as far as return to play, or else you know you're going to look bad." I think that backfired on him. Really, I think yeah. the the players stood their ground. The players called the league's bluff. Uh, and then essentially it got to a point where the league was uncomfortable and they had to agree to what the players wanted. Yeah, completely agree. And, and I think it didn't help that they were like, well, here's 5.5 here's million to split between 40-some clubs, Yeah, uh, maybe 50 clubs, uh, and, and then not going further than that. I think when they, when they had that money, they, they're doing all these other contracts and the players stood their ground, I think – it forced them like you guys are the ones that are looking bad on this because you have all the money yeah the players aren't the players aren't asking for a, a crazy amount of money or, or i mean they're asking for livable wages they're asking for basic human rights uh and to see that you know the usl is paying out millions and, and talking in monopoly type money uh i think that hurt them in the end yeah and uh, something, a couple, one of the other things that's really interesting here is that players will be paid out even if their clubs don't participate, which is really, I think, important and interesting um, for two reasons. One, um, you know, we have heard in the last week or so that some of the USL, uh, I'm excuse me, the MLS2 clubs don't want to play. Um, and I don't know if some of them might may not. So if you are a player on a... MLS 2 club and your club decides not to play, you're still going to get paid. Good. That's a good thing. But then in addition to that, uh, if you get to a situation where uh, maybe a player or two on your club gets COVID, God forbid, um, and the club has to stop playing for that reason, the players will still be played, which will still be paid, rather, which is important as well. So that, I think, is a key piece of this. Uh, good riddance to the MLS 2 teams. <laughs> well, I and what, here's one of the things I was thinking about. If these MLS2 teams, and again, it's not all of them. I think there were two who voted um, to return to play. The other five did not. If those five teams don't want to play, they don't have to, but then they immediately get relegated to League One. What do you think? I, I love that idea. Yeah. I love it. And then the problem with the, uh, them not wanting to pay, I don't know if it's if they don't want to pay something, or I don't know what the issue is, but they're a true minor league, so they can afford to play their minor league players. Sure. Uh, and it just doesn't make sense why they're the ones not wanting this. I mean, wouldn't you want your second team 
to be playing to get those minutes to get everything have a place to send your your first teamers that aren't making as many minutes you know it seems like they would want this i mean well i, I, I think guess because they're playing in the the hub city of orlando right uh, that makes it more why. difficult yeah, I think that's part of it. I think I think again, it's going to be harder to send players from the the first team to the the two team, as it were, um, because of that hub situation. But in addition to that, I mean, we're well aware that most of the two teams don't don't really draw. So if there is a situation where it looks like some of the clubs will be able to have fans, depending on the state that they're in. So you know, a, an example of this is Texas. You know, the state of Texas or the state of Arizona. Um, you know, RGV or San Antonio or Phoenix Rising looks like they're going to be able potentially to have players uh, have fans in the stadium. Well, while we cannot, and and again, as much as I would love to be in the stadium, I think it's smart that we're not going to do that um, right off the bat. Uh, but um, I think it's an it's an important distinction here um, because I think uh, <clears throat> excuse me I think as far as kind of return to play goes um, I think it, it, I guess it, what I'm what I'm trying to get is it, is it makes a big difference uh, what state you're in um, as far as return to play goes but but more importantly than that like I said these these two teams aren't drawing if if there is a situation where where the state that they're in uh, allows them to return to play like they don't make a lot of money on gate anyway so they have less incentive to want to return to play does that make sense i know yeah, i explained that in a very roundabout way yeah the the three teams you mentioned also don't draw that well so mm-hmm. uh, it's it, it's it's kind of like a okay go ahead and have your games phoenix you, you don't have dollar beer night no one's gonna show up well san antonio draws uh-huh. well san antonio draws well rgb has had trouble and phoenix has had trouble um they, despite their their lies about selling out but san antonio they, they draw relatively well they have huge crowds <laughs> Yo, you don't have huge crowds. You have a bunch of empty seats and and no one sitting in them because it's not dollar beer night. You suck, Phoenix. That's all. But again, yeah, like I said, San Antonio. Uh, we know we went to the game there last year. Um, stadium was was mostly full. Good atmosphere. They have incentive to want to return to play. If again, if they have people in the stadium, um, you know, because they will make money on gates. They will make money on concessions or or, or merch in the stadium. San Antonio is a perfect example of that. But again, a club like Phoenix. Um, or, or others is as an example of, of I could see I could see why not that I think uh, Phoenix voted not to return to play I'm sure they voted to return to play but I could see why a club like that would vote not to does that make sense yeah it does and um, Elaine's right it, they're lying liars they are lying liars and they're a bunch of jerks <laughs> Phoenix sucks uh, so the biggest thing I don't like is, is the potential of getting fans or not fans but players sick with fans yeah um uh, you could socially distance as much as you want, but you're screaming and yelling at a at a field's goalie's not too far away from those fans. Yeah, uh, I, I don't like it. Um, well, and I you could keep sorry, those areas clear. Keep and that, I, keep behind that clear and keep you know halfway up the stadium clear. Yeah, um, and have fans spread out like that. Can't I, have I, players I, going okay, to the crowds. Yeah. yeah, and well, and and I I think to that kind of same concept. I worry about our players going into Arizona or going into Texas, where there have been huge spikes lately. You know, we are we, uh, you know, in New Mexico have have been very fortunate that we haven't seen, knock on wood, uh, some of the similar spikes, and and we've done a, a pretty good job of socially distancing. But as some states open up maybe a little bit quicker than we do, um, that's more and more opportunities for our players to be in a high risk area, which is concerning to me. 
Yeah, and if you look at just El Paso, El Paso has had a, a crazy mm. spike in cases recently. That's a place where we probably will go play, and they will probably have fans. Yeah, yeah, and so that's something to be aware of and to be cognizant of, and uh, hopefully the league will take proper precautions and recognize, hey, we need to be careful here. We need to have you know some sort of distancing, like you mentioned, maybe between the field and and the fans. You know, some some. St- stadiums some fan sections are very close to the field ours is a perfect example actually you know we're probably 10 feet from the goal 15 feet maybe um our supporters section and so if we were having fans in the stadium right now that would be kind of uncomfortable for players i would imagine you know if you're a goalkeeper and there's people shouting behind you the whole time and particles flying i would imagine that's a little scary well, I mean, and you're seeing like just in bars in general, people yeah. are not social distancing. So sure. it, it, how are they going to social distance in a stadium? How are you going to enforce that? Well, uh, and when play starts, yeah. people start, you know, getting closer and closer to each other. How do you enforce, hey, you're not six feet. Let me pull out the measuring tape. Yeah. Well, and you, and players, you know, they don't just live on the pitch either. You know, you, you have to eat, you know, while you're on the road. You have to get food somehow. And, and that was actually addressed. Uh, Jeff Reuter addressed it in. Uh, his article, but there was something to the effect of whomever cooks the food for the players must be in full PPE, which that's good, but how are you going to find that? You know, you're in a place that is not your hometown. You need to find a place that has proper protocols for cooking your food. And, and as we've seen, as you mentioned, RJ, not everybody, even again in our state, which has had relatively speaking uh, low numbers of COVID, but not everybody is following those rules. Not not a lot of restaurants or, or bars or whatever. So uh, I would imagine that's going to be a task in itself to find. Yeah. I mean, unless you and I slap the grill in the back of my truck, drive down and just cook for the players, we're you're going to have a hard time finding somebody honest enough to wear full PPE to cook for the players. Right. And then there was another thing uh, also, you know, where the where the players stay, you know, whatever hotel that they're staying in um, will... See, this is, I, I hope they it, it's a there and back trip. I mean, that's going to suck for a lot of players, especially if it's Phoenix, especially if it's uh, even Colorado Springs. Uh, but I would feel safer for our players if they drove up, played the game, and left. See... I would I would agree with that, but what happens when you need to go to Portland? You can't do that there yeah. and back same day. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna be in Portland. I really don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think I I've, I don't think it's regional. I think it's gonna be the whole Western Conference. Um, I, I think it would be make more sense to be regional. Um, I think I would probably feel better about the safety of our players if it was regional. But I don't think that's the indications that I've seen on online are that it's gonna be the whole conference. And that's disappointing. I don't think that's smart. I agree. No, it's not. Especially when when cases are are high in some areas and they're pretty well contained in others. Um, And looking at the West, I I don't know who else is doing as good as New Mexico COVID-wise. Nobody is. Nobody is. Uh, It's it's us and Wisconsin are the two states that have done the best. Yeah, go figure. And then they got two of the best uh, uh, soccer teams <laughs> in the country. <laughs> the forward Madison. Yeah, so shout out to the flock and our friends over there. Um, and it, but yeah, one of these things that I was I was going to mention is uh, I'm trying to find it in the in the story, but it was something to the effect of uh, the hotels that players are staying in. They're not going to have um, like your not not room service, but kind of uh, 
cleaning service you know like so if you stay uh you know two nights for example um you know how like if you if you go out during the day the lady comes yeah, in and house cleaning house clean. cleaning that's what i was thinking of comes in and, and cleans it but they're not gonna do that they're just gonna ask for extra towels and things like that which is it, it makes sense that's a good precaution um if you have to stay in a hotel yeah it's, it's just such a weird thing uh i've been told that i'm i'm over paranoid about this but i mean i've worked no. in the medical field you should trust me when i say i'm not going to a stadium with fans i'm not going to a hotel right now i'm not no. going on travel this is a like take this serious this is a really bad time to be doing this yeah i had and, to- and for our players who are going to be forced into this right it it, it feels even worse yeah it's it's definitely scary i had to travel last week as you're well aware uh to go to go see family and uh, i was on a plane um which was which was uncomfortable i'm gonna be honest uh they the plane was only at about half capacity uh and nobody sat in the middle seat so it was either uh aisle or window seat so on the flight my i connected in dallas but on the first flight the first leg of the flight there i wasn't able to get a window seat so i got an aisle seat and all these people are brushing by me and i gotta be honest i was not comfortable with any of that yeah i mean the window seat's not six feet away from that aisle either so no it's you're, not you're, i mean it, Okay, no one's sitting in the middle seat. That should be a thing anyway. Uh, but just in general, you're you're not gonna. There's not enough space for safety in an airplane anyway. Yeah, definitely not. Um, like I said, I, I was not comfortable and and wouldn't have made that trip if I didn't need to to go take care of some family stuff. But we did. Um, but but to your point, you know, it's it's uh, it's a scary world right now, um, and it's uncomfortable and. I I would love to to kind of get some more insight into just how players feel about the travel and, and things like that, and um, you know maybe next week we can focus a little bit about on that with with whomever we have to talk about it with. Yeah, definitely that'd be that'd be great to get a player's perspective, uh, just how they are seeing it. Um, you and I have very similar views on this, and we hate it. Yeah. Uh, but we're also older than most of the players. So. <laughs> well, and again, uh, you are not being paranoid. You're you're being smart. Uh, you know, it, it is literally a global pandemic that has killed thousands of people. So uh, uh, let's let's be safe about it uh, to the extent that we can. So I'm yes. I'm thrilled that there is soccer back. I am uh, I'm thrilled that we will be able to see our, our players playing again. Um, let's just hope that we are really really taking all the all the precautions necessary because we love these players and and coaches and and staff members and wouldn't want anything to to put them in harm's way absolutely agree more uh rj eric winaldi got fired today (laughs) how'd you get fired on your day off (laughs) that's a good way to put it i didn't think of it like that um yeah i don't know what the deal is with that uh this this just happened like in the last hour or so i guess a little more than an hour because we've been on on the show here for about an hour uh don't know what the deal is would love to to hear some more about it uh jeff reuter again broke the news um I found it interesting that in the statement, uh, Las Vegas Lights said something about making sure that everybody, like player safety was respected or something like that. I don't yeah, remember exactly what it was. Club, the official club statement, effective immediately, Eric Winalda is no longer the head coach of Las Vegas Lights FC. We continue to be hopeful that Lights FC will return to play later this season, provided a safe environment can be assured for our players, fans, and staff. What the hell does that mean? I mean, or one, it sounds like they're not expecting to come back and play. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the deal is there. Um, and it was very much a pivot, you know, 
uh, obviously the big news is that Wijnald is fired, but that wasn't really what the statement was about at all. They just said he's fired. Let's focus on this other thing. Um, yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, and again, it's it's weird timing because we've been what is it almost a hundred days without USL soccer this entire time, and my dog is dreaming and. So if you hear, she's she's whimpering <laughs> she's in her dream. Cute. Can you hear that? <laughs> I can. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's right under the desk. But uh, but no, we we go all this time without soccer. So it, I mean, if you were gonna fire him before, you you would have fired him before. So this is something you one would think that is some sort of recent development. Something happened to trigger this because if they were planning on firing him, they would have done it when we had this massive break, not less than a month before return. So um, yeah, it's bizarre. Less than a week ago, Las Vegas Lights tweeted out, leader, mentor, coach, friend, legend. Congratulations and happy birthday, Eric Winalda. And, and now he's fired with very, <laughs> well, no explanation. And it, it's weird. Like, he he had to have done something. He yeah, had to have. That's, um, that's bizarre. And, and the fact that they, maybe he was trying to force them to play a season that they didn't want to. I don't, I don't know. know. I have uh, no idea. He, he was trying to... Uh oh. Think what's going on? Let's all just play and, and have as many people as we want and screw safety. I mean, it could be anywhere in that. And knowing Eric Winalda, it could be anywhere in that. <laughs> um, I would love to to get a little insight from our friends in Las Vegas. Um, maybe we can have uh, someone from the uh, electric company on the uh, on the show next week. If they've got a little insight, but yeah, it's just it's just bizarre. It's just bizarre, and I mean, as far as coaching names in the league, he's one of the bigger ones. Um, you know, people outside of the USL know who Eric Winalda is, obviously from from his footballing career. You know, alongside kind of Landon Donovan, that kind of thing. Um, whereas people outside of the USL, you know, may not know the names of a lot of the other coaches. So to fire one of the bigger names, uh, albeit the name of somebody who has always been a little bit controversial and a little bit, I don't know if brash is the right term, but brash, uh, yeah, it just kind of seems out of nowhere, uh, and I would love yeah. to love to know more. It, well, to be fair, I mean, people in the USL don't know how to say Troy's last name. Lesesny. It's Lesesny. Everybody knows it's Lesesny. 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 Yeah, Lesandwich. A sandwich. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's surprising. He's a huge name in the USL. Um, he's always, he's, I don't know if he's been genuine. I, I don't know. I, I, I've felt weird about him because he'll tweet nice things about United. He did. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, he never means it because just who he is. <laughs> I think he means uh, it. I think he meant I, it. I've <laughs> never been the biggest Eric Ronaldo fan either. Uh, but I, you know, after we played them, um, you know, we clinched the playoff spot in the final home match against them. Uh, he left that nice note on the whiteboard in the locker room. I thought that was classy. You know, again, I've never been the biggest Eric Winalda fan, but I gotta give credit where credit is due. I thought that was nice. And even after the the shellacking we took in Vegas, he had very nice things to say about the club. Sure. Um, and and the supporters that showed up. There was a lot of us out in Vegas. It's, it's not hard to get people to go to Vegas. Yeah. Uh, but but he had a lot of nice things to say. So I yeah definitely am interested to hear what happened. What more on this story? Uh, but just to give a little teaser um, on United Weekly this week, you're going to have Jeff Ruder. So yeah. maybe you'll have more information by then. Yeah, uh, and you mention you mention you as in me uh, because you are going to be out getting burritos. 
I, yeah, I'm going to go on my breakfast burrito run. Um, it's a thing. It's a tradition we've started. Yes. Uh, we, can't, so. we, we, we can't have both of us on at the same <laughs> yeah. time because one of us has to get burritos. That just makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's it's they're delicious. We love our breakfast burritos. We have to have them. That's right. That's right. Uh, Elaine says that uh, her dog was growling at my dog. Uh, poor Olivia. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I, I nudged her and woke her up, but she's asleep again. So... Uh, She's a she's a good dog. She got groomed for the first time ever today. She had never been groomed before. Yeah, she got caught in the COVID uh, grooming thing, so she never had that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. she's a big pup now. She's uh she grew fast. She did. She's like sixty sixty five pounds probably. She's a big girl, uh, but she's a she's a good girl too. All right. Um, I think that was all we wanted to hit today. RJ, is there anything we missed? I don't think so. Um, there's so. Uh, oh, oh! I thought Jake, of one thing. Jake and I. I wanted to thank Jake for uh, hopping on United Weekly with me last week. And um, Lucas we week before about, that. And Lucas week before, uh, we did get to talk about uh, Jeff Reuter's um, survey, the USL fan survey, and got to go into that a little bit, uh, which is really cool. Uh, we had a little bit of differing opinions on some stuff, uh, like the number of teams that we thought were in the league and stuff oh, yeah. like that. So it'd be it'd be cool to hear from Jeff too this weekend. Uh, see what he felt about the survey. Yeah, we're going to talk to him about that. We'll talk, obviously, about return to play. Um, hopefully, we'll be talking about an agreed-to USLPA agreement. That would be awesome. Um, and uh, You might my, need to do two segments with him. With Jeff, yeah. I think that would be great. I think that would be great. We'll, uh, and we'll let you know who's going to be my, my co-host uh, as soon as we get that nailed down. We've got a couple candidates for that uh, to come. That old gas bag answer. Lucas, is that going to... There's a possibility. There's a possibility. Yeah, gas bag. No, it's it's so funny that we're so mean to him on this show, but we're so nice to him on United Weekly. And in person. And in person. I mean, he's a he's a nice person. As much he's a great for as much person. shit as we give him, he's a good guy. Uh, he's a he's a he's a bag of farts. That's what he is. <laughs> bag of farts. Oh my god. All right. I think we need to end it on bag of farts. Uh, RJ, uh, <laughs> it's good to do this again for the first time in a month. It was fun. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I hope everyone tuned in to the Seek and Strike podcast we were on about three weeks ago. It was yes. a, a great conversation with Chris Walker. Uh, Josh Kaskinen, Alicia. Josh Kaskinen, Alicia. Uh, everyone at Seek and Strike, uh, really great conversations there. So we, I hope you were able to catch that. If not, please go find that. Uh, subscribe to Seek and Strike as well. They're, they're part of the BGN family like we are. Mm-hmm. Um, they're one of New Mexico United's BGN uh affiliates uh with us so yeah we we throw a lot of love out to chris and seek and strike yeah two things uh before we go uh one of them i'm not sure if you saw rj we can we can talk about this briefly um united came out today uh with three options for season ticket holders considering at least for for most of the season at least maybe all the season we won't have fans in the stadium um i like that they gave multiple options on what season ticket holders would can do and so those those three options were you can uh, request a refund on your ticket um you can roll it forward to the 2021 season or uh, you can donate it to the Somos Unidos Foundation, which is doing a lot of amazing work in the community. And I really like the club uh, opted to give options. Uh, they didn't have to do that. Not every club is doing that. Um, and so, again, if, if you want a refund, you can get it. Uh, if you want to try and help the community and, and you can afford it, you can do that too. Um, it's just, it it's, seems like there's a good fit for everybody. Yeah, so so with the COVID 
a situation people kind of need money now and sure they, maybe they had disposable money you could you could have you know some disposable money to buy season tickets and maybe you did that now you need your money back it's great to be able to have that option maybe you could just be like you know what i've already spent it i don't know about that so i'm just going to roll it over to next season that way i can secure my seat there right and, and if you're very lucky I mean, hey, you know what? This Almost Needless Foundation is doing a lot of great work and doing a lot of important work in in the state. I mean, all across the state. So if you're able to donate to the Almost Needless Foundation, uh, please do. I mean, it, it's it's such a well-run organization. Um, yeah, I can't I can't sing highly enough about it. Yeah, and and I was able to donate um, my two season tickets to the Almost Needless Foundation. Um, and uh, one of the cool things that they're doing, obviously, it's it's awesome to help in the community, and that's the main reason why why we want to do that. But there's also kind of different levels if you decide to donate, um, and there's like rewards with that. So you know, you could start at the level where you get like a Somos uh, Unidos Foundation lapel pin, which is that state outline with the with the Zia logo on it, which looks really great. Um, and you know, there's additional things um, on top of that. You know, there's individualized experiences. There's um, merchandise there is just a whole bunch of stuff uh and you should definitely go check it out uh it's newmexicoutd.com slash 2020 and there's like six i think different levels um where again if you donate you know your tickets that add up to two hundred dollars you reach this and if you get donate tickets that add up to a thousand dollars you get that um so again they're really trying to customize it for everybody and if you can donate to the foundation i would really encourage you to with that said like rj mentioned a lot of people are going through some tough stuff right now and there's no shame at all in needing your refund uh so you know it's it, there's something for everybody i think that's great yeah absolutely and and like like we said you know if you if you can please do but i mean the world is a weird place right now so just take care of yourself take care of each other yeah absolutely and, and again take care of the community to the extent that you can the other thing i wanted to mention um before we go is this weekend friday saturday sunday um juneteenth celebration uh going to be going on at roosevelt park uh i think uh, a decent number of us curse members are going to go and just listen and learn and uh, celebrate black culture in our community um you know, it's it's not a curse event. We're not running it, but we are excited to go and take part in it and invite anybody who would like to join us to come join us. Shoot me a text or a message, and maybe we can meet up and just, like I said, listen, learn, um, and 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 celebrate. Uh, and I think that would be really great. Yeah, hopefully I have uh, the breakfast burritos by then, and I'll be able to join you. <laughs> Uh, but no, definitely, it's very important to to go and, and listen and, and hear what's going on and learn about this. This is something I never knew about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not taught here in New Mexico, at least when I went through any of schooling, um, K through 12. Sure. There, this isn't something I've ever known. So going and learning about it on my own, actually learning about it, you know, from people who may have experienced it and people who are going through a lot of stuff now uh, is very important. So, yeah, I'm excited to go out there um after my burrito run and and for those uh who who do not know because as you mentioned our date's not necessarily taught here uh juneteenth is the celebration of the news of the emancipation proclamation reaching uh the last uh enslaved people i believe in texas i i maybe it was texas yeah um so uh obviously a lot more to learn about that and again an opportunity for us to do so uh as a as a group in 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 a positive way this weekend so friday saturday sunday the events on facebook we've posted it on our facebook and 
Twitter. You can get the details there. Roosevelt Park. There's also one in Las Cruces for our southern folks uh, um, down there as well. And I believe there's one in Santa Fe. I'd have to confirm there's, that. Check yeah, there, I know for sure there's a march in Santa Fe. Okay. Um, I don't know exactly what's going on. But, yeah, there's definitely stuff going on all across the, the, the state uh, for Juneteenth. So if you can just hop online, uh, check your social media, you'll – it's easy to find something that's going on. Also, before uh, I really want to mention this, when you go out, if you go out and, and hang out with the curse at Juneteenth, wear your masks. Please, Please wear, wear masks. Your masks. Please. And, and David, I think we got a pair. I, for for those that are on Twitch, you can see that beautiful mask David's wearing. It's the curse mask available online at thecursednm.com. Uh, nifty looking mask. It looks fantastic. Please, this isn't a sales gimmick either well we don't make any money on these these. yeah we're we're, we're, the money for these we don't we're donating one and two if if you can't buy one of those just wear any mask please just go out have a good time learn but also wear a mask yeah and so all the proceeds for this we don't we don't keep a dollar of it um, it's all going to fight for our lives, Albuquerque, uh, which is a uh, youth-led organization that fights for social change in our community. Uh, so, again, we don't keep a dime. Um, it's all about helping the community and, and doing what we can, and they look pretty sweet, too, and we'll keep you safe. So, it's good. Also, still stay six feet apart from everybody, in addition to that. And no hugging, and wear your shirts. <laughs> Oh, Cody Teeters, we love you, buddy. Um, well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, RJ, thank you uh, for, for doing this again. I mean, it's the first time in a month, and it was it was fun. So thanks again. Uh, it feels so good to be back. It does. It feels great to be back. And we'll be back next week uh, with more, and maybe we'll know a little bit more about Eric Winaldo then. But uh, RJ, until then, somos unidos. We are united. For the taking, the earth is shaking from that groovy quaking coming out of this guitar and, and the beat goes on and on and on from day.